0: So this case, Seijo's soul separated. I will tell you the story, for those of you who don't know it, it's a ghost story. But before I do, let me tell you a little bit about Goso, Master Goso Hoen. Always we like to tell you a little bit about your ancestors. Goso Hoen Zenji Daisho he was ordained at a relatively uh, advanced age. Most of the masters that we encounter became monks quite young. Goso Huan was 35. So there's still hope for some of you. He was a scholar, a scholar monk, and He studied and studied under many, many different lecturers. As Jigijitsu said, lecturer is not taisho. So he studied under many lecturers and couldn't find true peace of mind. And decided to go out and find a good Zen teacher. And after going here and there, he finally settled with Hakun Shutan Zen Zidai Hakun Shutan. He was one day engrossed in his koan when he overheard Hakuin instructing another monk about Mu. Probably instructing by Kesaku, not lecture. In any case, this instruction penetrated deeply into his heart. And he woke up. and he wrote a poem that goes like this. A piece of land in front of the hill which I asked the old man, my teacher, about and I sold and bought it many a time. Now. How I enjoy cool breeze that blows through the pines and bamboo that i've carefully tended now, this verse is well worth your study it's about everything that i've been speaking about these past few days a piece of land in front of the hill which I asked the old man my teacher about I sold and bought it many a time going to Doksan after Doksan now how I enjoy the cool breeze that blows through the pines and bamboo that I've carefully tended. While he was studying Buddhist texts, he came upon a quote. It is said that when a bodhisattva sees with wisdom eye, the functioning and the principle are one. Functioning and principle are one. Circumstances and essence are one. Subjectivity and objectivity are one. A non Buddhist philosopher argued, saying, If subjectivity and objectivity are not separated, how can that fact itself be proved? A teacher named Genjo said about that It is like when one drinks and realizes for oneself whether the water is cold or warm this is a very famous saying in Zen knows for oneself oh so many times we are running around asking is the water how's the water how's the water how Go So ho asked himself how do I know for myself? And so he went on his pilgrimage. He taught for about 40 years. He was around um, about 40 years. And one of his disciples was Engo Kokugon Zenji Sho, the compiler of the Hekigon Roku, the Blue Cliff Record. So pay attention during the lineage chanting tonight. Hakun Shitan Zenji Dai Oshou Goso Hoen Zenji Dai Engo Kokugon <laughs> Zenji Dai One day, Goshoan said to his monks, "It's time for me to retire. I'm going to retire." He took a bath, shaved, sat down, and died. Before that, he said to his monks, Seijo's soul separated from her being, and which is the real Seijou. So here's the story so you can understand why he, what he was referring to. It comes from an old Chinese story There was once an old man named Cho Khan, and he had lost his first daughter and his second daughter he loved so much Sei was her name Jo means young woman Sei was very beautiful and so was her cousin this fellow named Oh Chu and the two of them were so cute together when they would play and sometimes Uh, the family would notice this and say, Oh, look, what a great couple they make. How adorable. And the father said, Oh, the two of you are such a perfect couple. Well, they grew older. And indeed, they felt that way too about each other. Just, you are right for me. You are my great love. But, at that time that they realized this love no longer children now teenagers Choa told his daughter that he had chosen a husband for her not Ochu another person We can't imagine this these days, but this was very typical back then, not so long ago. And in fact, today, in this day and age, in some cultures, this is always happening. So what happened to this young, loving pair? They were so distressed that Chu couldn't even stay in his native village to see his beloved married off to someone she didn't love. Couldn't bear it. And he got into a boat and prepared to depart. And as he rowed along the banks, he saw someone running after him and waving appeared. Who is it? Say, Joe. She couldn't bear not to be with him. So she got in the boat. They went off together. Years passed. They had a family together. Meanwhile, with the children, the two children that were born, Seijo began feeling a deep, deep regret for having run away from her parents. Now being a parent, she felt what it's like to love your child and how distressed her father must be. And she said to Ocho. I long to go back to my native village and see my father and beg his forgiveness. And he said, I too feel that way. Let us go. So they got into a boat again and went back. And she stayed in the boat while O Chu got out and went to her father to bow and beg his forgiveness. And he did so. The old man listened with a look of incredulity on his face. Huh? What? Who are you talking about? Oju said, your daughter. Say, she's in the boat. He said, no, she's not. She's still lying in bed at home. She's been sick all these years. We haven't known what's wrong. She has no life in her. She's just lying there like an empty husk. She hasn't spoken a word since you left. You must be mistaken, Ochu said. She followed me. We went together to a far off country, we got married, we have two children. She's in great health and she's here now to ask for your forgiveness. And please come to the boat and see for yourself. Finally, the old man, being so reluctant and confused, Ochu went and asked Sei, Come. So she came. Chokan went into the bedroom to tell this sick daughter of his, what had happened. Lying there, not moving all this time. Still without a word, she got up out of bed, walked out of the house, say, coming from the boat, say, coming from the bed, one. And Cho-Khan said to his daughter, Ever since O Chu left, you have been lifeless, as though your soul had fled. And Sei said to him, I didn't know I was homesick in bed. When I heard that O Chu had left, I followed his boat as if in a dream. So, this is the story that Master Goso Hoen is referring to in this case. So you may think, well, what's an old ghost story from the Tang Dynasty have to do with me and what I'm dealing with here in this session? Anybody feel like that? Yesterday, I quoted someone about how he used to think, oh, a retreat. But session, he realized session is not a retreat. And then after Teisho, I went out and I saw the sign on the door. Says <laughs> <So it's> retreat. <laughs> so for next time, we'll change it to read something like laboratory, hazardous materials, enter at your own risk. What are we studying here in this laboratory? Who am I? What is real? What is this self? Which self? Maybe some of you dimly remember the self precession, the, the preoccupations of that I. And here at this moment, Does it seem real? Which is real? This I here? Or that I? Last week? Next week? Which is the true self? The I that craves? The I that's filled with need? and preference and thinks that the whole world revolves around that I deep down no matter how well it's camouflaged. Or this I that gets stronger each sitting, each day of session, more and more permeable Less and less rigidity, more melting, melting, melting. The eye yearning after a remembered oneness. I remembered home. Is it one? Or are they two? This eye, the other eye. It's safe to say that there is no I of oneness without the eye of differentiation. This is a a radical radical oneness we're talking about. I often Refer to our practice of Zazen as revolutionary. Everything that we've assumed must be dropped. this Dharma wheel turns without end. Not because we're turning it. Just turning. The more we get out of the way, the more we are nothing but this radical one. So thinking about this I of before session, and this I now, what we might say about the I before session is that from a Buddhist understanding, that I, that self-absorption, that egocentricity is what we mean by illness. Sejo lying there, unable to act, consumed with inertia. How many times have you felt, I really know I need to do such and such, but I just can't. Inertia. How many times have you gotten in your own way this illness of mind, of separation? I wanted to read you something about somebody who wrote in 1988 a wonderful piece for the sun. It was reprinted recently. His name was Stephen Butterfield, and he was a student of Trungpa Rinpoche. And he had a very serious illness that made it impossible for him to breathe. And he says, Walking anywhere with friends, especially uphill, is an occasion for silence. I cannot walk, talk, and breathe at the same time. Every gram of oxygen must be used for locomotion. There is nothing left over. Superfluity must go. This becomes an amazing metaphor. In my life, in my mind, what is superfluous? You might ask yourself this when you go back after session. What is superfluous in my life? If I couldn't breathe, would I be running around doing all this? He says, what is superfluous? Anger that freezes into resentment, jealousy, greed, gossip, ego clinging, pretense, embarrassment, any form of fixation, running after pleasure, the discursive thought that maintains the storyline of me. These things are very costly in terms of the life energy that it takes to keep them going. And they are what conversation is mostly about. When the oxygen is diminished below a certain point, you must choose absolutely between feeding all your mental (laughs) bloodsuckers and taking care of your true business. You cannot afford to keep them around as pets. (laughs) Wonderful. These bloodsuckers that we think are the real me. The things that we are so sure matter. He also said, as long as our goal is to hang on to something or get rid of our own mortality, we are still only suppressing symptoms. Healing could become one more ambitious project by which we try to ignore the message of luminous emptiness. Those of you who have some chronic illness or who have suffered through a potentially fatal disease may know what he's talking about but all of you after sitting for four days ought to have some sense of this all right because guess what we all have a fatal illness it's called life There is no place to stand in the endless cascade. We thought that we had a cozy little observation balcony, but it is all Niagara Falls no matter where we turn. Even the parking lot is being swept away. Wonderful. The other... uh, Recently, I don't know when, this morning, another day, someone told me about salmon swimming upstream and about how they have these observation uh, places where you can watch. And there are all these po- uh, pools and cascades and pools and cascades and another step and a pool and a cascade. And the salmon, of course, as you know, are swimming upstream and they want that rushing water, they want that cascade. They are like an arrow shooting up, single-mindedly, up that cascade. Is this not session, Or are you in the parking lot being swept away? Hey, wake up! He died in 1996, but left us such good, good words. And someone else wrote recently a letter from his boat. This came, was sent July 15th, and it says... My dear teacher, it has been some time since I last wrote. Uh, I have come to regard this lovely old boat as a loner. That was a tough one, as I really do love this boat. He's been living on a boat. And have put much time and energy into bringing her back up to cruising standards. But a wild and crazy time with a very long and drawn-out squall a few nights ago and almost losing her to the reefs and the mangrove swamp forced me to recognize what I'd been doing with, quote, my boat, end quote, in my head. Now it is just the boat. That felt great. Been in the hospital a couple of times, once for accident, once for psychiatric stuff. I had this morning, I had a sudden epiphany of sorts to realize that the voices are just one manifestation of self and are least problematical when I'm not busy feeding my desperate ego. Wonderful. Sejo. Self. Then he talks about a typhoon that he went through. And he said, for several days, I had to have 11 lines out to pilings and docks and the rip current under my keel kept me healed a steady 10 degrees with dips to 30 degrees in the gusts i spent the night before the storm stripping the decks of everything that could blow away or break off session stripping stripping away <coughs> And he goes on. So. Typhoon. In case 40 of the Mumon-khan, flower, there's a quote from Joe Hoshi Riku Taifu quotes this, to nonsense. the quote goes like this, Heaven and Earth and I have one and the same Source. The 10,000 things and I have one and the same body. Isn't this amazing? Isn't this strange and mysterious? Nansen pointed to a flower. And he said, people these days see this flower as though they are in a dream Most of our days are spent in a dream. We may not be lying prone in bed, wordless. But what are we really seeing? Flower. Each petal. Never before. Never again. Just this. To wake up from this dream is what we are here for. This very body we recite in Hakuin Zenji's song of Sazen, this very body is the body of the Buddha. This body. How many times do we treat this body as though we're in a dream? Is it real? Or is it just an empty husk? The flower of your own precious life. Do you see it? Soon it will be Gone. in this heat flowers don't last very long and you may think well it's not that hot I probably have a few more years but as it says in the Lotus Sutra we're living in a burning building taking our time, going to this and that, getting all caught up in all kinds of circumstances, believing them to be real and not seeing, not seeing. Of course, not able to speak. So, these two says, Mumon says about it. When you realize what the real is, you will see that we pass from one husk to another like travelers stopping for a night's lodging. That's all. We're just here, in this husk, just for a moment, traveling on. A night's lodging is all we have. If you realize this, then... What is there to fear?